The mission of Stoughton Hospital is to provide safe, quality health care with exceptional personalized service. We want to be your trusted resource for health information. It's time for Stoughton Hospital Health Talk. Here's Melanie Cole. You've heard about the disease Lyme disease. Well, if you're somebody who likes to be out in the woods or grasses, you know that there are certain preventions, things that you can do to help prevent Lyme disease. My guest today is Kay McGrath. She's a nurse practitioner at Stoughton Dean Clinic. Welcome to the show, Kay. Tell us a little bit about what Lyme disease is first and how. what is the most common cause of it? Um, hi, thanks for having me. Um, so Lyme's disease is actually an infection that is caused by a spiral-shaped bacteria. We call those spirochetes. Um, uh, it's a bacteria that can affect multiple organ systems in our body, and, it, and therefore it creates a, a wide range of symptoms. Um, transmission usually can occur via the bite of an infected vector, and what we mean by that is it usually occurs um, through the bite of a tick. Certain types of ticks um, carry the specific bacteria, um, Borrelia burgdorferi, which is kind of a mouthful, that actually causes Lyme disease specifically. Um, Lyme disease is found in 65 countries worldwide. There are different types of ticks that carry different types of strains of the bacteria depending on the region where they, where they come from. Wow, so ticks, you know, we, we use that stuff on our dogs, but then we don't think so much about ourselves and our children. So mm-hmm. what can we do? Let's start with prevention, because that's the first thing that we want to talk about, and then we can get into the actual disease itself. But prevention would be the most important thing. What do you want people to know? I think the big, the big things to remember about prevention is really it comes down to common sense. Um, when you're playing or walking in wooded or grassy areas, Um, you want to cover as much skin with clothing as possible. Dressing in light colors is always a good good idea. That way you can identify ticks, which are very dark most of the time, very easily. You want to tuck your pants into your socks. You got to remember those little kiddos who are running around outside. Um, You really got to make sure everything is tucked in so that if if there's going to be something to see, you can see it very easily. And then it's not going to work their way up under um, the seams of clothing where you might not be able to see it as easily. Wearing long sleeves that are fitted and cuffed at the wrist is helpful. And spraying insect repellent with about 20 to 30% of DEET over clothing and sparingly to that exposed skin and not to the face can be helpful as well. Um, Always doing that after-activity body check, especially under armpits, backs of legs, in hair, the hairline, the groin area, all areas that a tick could potentially um, hang out where you might not be able to see it very well. So you talk about doing a tick check, and I always check, as you say, under the sock line, because they Mm -hmm. like those moist areas right under your armpits or even up in your pant leg. What do you do if you find one? So if you were to find a tick, um, the biggest thing, of course, is to stay calm. Um, a lot of times people <laughs> get very freaked out right away, and then they kind of kind of lose their logical train of thought. Um, if you do see a tick, obviously we want to get it off the skin. If it is not adhered, that's your best bet. If it's not adhered, obviously it's pretty easy to get off. Um, most of the time people will say, you know, stick it in the freezer, or you want to light a match to it. You don't necessarily have to do any of those things. Um, sometimes people will make sure that it is removed and they'll put it in a vial or a small plastic baggie, et cetera, to make sure that they can look at it safely so that they know that it was not necessarily attached to the skin. Otherwise, if it is attached to the skin, we say use a tweezers. You want to grasp the tick as close to the skin as possible where it may be attached. You pull the tick straight out. Don't squeeze it or use a twisting motion. That's a very common misconception. You want to clean the area with an antiseptic, which could just be alcohol. 
or hydrogen peroxide. It can be found over the counter. And in most of the cases, if you, if you use um, an antiseptic from first aid kits, that's completely acceptable. Okay, do we save the tick and take it into our local vet or somebody to find out if it is infected with Lyme? Um, most of the time, they're not necessarily going to run any kind of testing on the tick itself as far as a healthcare provider. You can certainly take it in, especially if it's a dog or whatnot. Every vet or, or provider might have their own preferences, but for the most part, no, we don't actually need the tick itself. Now, sometimes if you're unsure, you know, is this a dog tick, a deer tick, a wood tick, what is this? Sometimes bringing it in can be helpful for the provider just to see what kind of tick it is, to know what your risk factor is. But that's really, the as far as as how helpful that tick might be. That's really as far as it goes. Okay, so what are the symptoms of Lyme disease? Because, Kay, that seems to be one of the big confusions surrounding this particular condition is that it's so difficult to diagnose. You hear about people who go undiagnosed for years because nobody can figure out what it is. So what are some symptoms that might send us to a doctor and the person might say, you know what, I really want to be checked for Lyme disease? Sure. Um, I think it's a great question because um, Lyme disease has been known as the great imitator. It can really mimic a lot of other different kinds of illnesses and diseases. Um, the biggest one, of course, that we always hear about is that um, bullseye rash, which is erythema migrans. And again, we call it bullseye rash because often that there's a clearing, it looks like rings with like a central darkened area. Um, this can appear anywhere between when you get bit by the tick to 30 days after. So obviously that's a very wide window of time that something like that can occur. But more and more, of course, we're seeing that there are possibilities for atypical rashes and still having Lyme disease. So just because it's not a bullseye rash doesn't mean it's not potentially Lyme disease. Some other symptoms that you can potentially have um, can be chest pain and rib soreness, shortness of breath, feeling like your heart's fluttering. We call that palpitations. Um, also, nausea and vomiting, new onset constipation or diarrhea, um, irritable bladder, or like where you're going all the time or you think you have a bladder infection. Also, joint and muscle pain, swelling and stiffness, especially in one joint, um, such as a knee or elbow, et cetera, and muscle stiffness. Um, okay, so we, yeah, if, we, if we have some of these symptoms yeah. and we go to see the doctor, do you ask your healthcare practitioner, do you say, please check me for Lyme disease because I like to go camping or I found a tick on myself a year ago or I, you know, do we make sure to point this out? Are there tests for it? Yes. So I always say it's a good idea. Your healthcare provider is generally probably going to be doing a really thorough history anyway. Um, for the most part, what we're looking for is if you have had a recent exposure or you know you've been around something, much like um, camping, or you know that you are in the North Woods, et cetera, those things are relative, and we do like to know about them, especially if that there was a rash that's occurred afterwards. Um, I think it's a good idea to mention that. But also, when it comes down to testing, there are no perfect test for Lyme disease out there, we look for the antibodies of that bacteria that I was telling you about before. It's a two-step test that we use, a screening and then what's called a Western blot. And then what are the treatments? Because I've also heard that people go through treatments for years and they still have some of these symptoms of fatigue and, you know, musculoskeletal issues. And I mean, it can really devastate the quality of your life. So speak about Mm -hmm. just about the treatments a little bit. So treatments, of course, the sooner treatment begins, the better recovery generally is. So again, ideally, having that conversation with your healthcare provider is really important um, to rule it out or at least to know what your risk factor is um, or a percentage of risk for Lyme. Um, Again, early detection is really key. 
generally a 14 to 21 day course of antibiotics for an early stage Lyme disease is appropriate. Um, depending on age, we use different antibiotics. Certainly, IV antibiotics can be utilized for um, cases where there's recurrent or persistent symptoms, just basically because those can be more intense and long-lasting. Often, it's when we find Lyme disease later um, in, in the stages, so you have more bacteria that need to be taken care of. Um, often, that will require IV antibiotics. However, some people will have chronic Lyme symptoms, and for those things, Sometimes retreatment is necessary, as well as just supporting the system and, and symptom control and treating symptoms. Because um, generally, once we kill the bacteria with antibiotics, the bacteria aren't necessarily problematic anymore, but it's kind of the residual that they leave behind. Why do you think, Kay, that some people who suffer from Lyme disease need these support systems and that there's support groups out there for Lyme disease? Generally, um, functional impairments from chronic Lyme disease, like you said, as far as quality of life, it really affects people's quality of life. Um, you know, fatigue and problems sleeping, lethargy and depression, those things um, all tend to be things that can be linked chronically to Lyme. Um, so certainly groups can be helpful as far as support, people that go through the same things, um, treatment, sharing information, disseminating new information, um, and research can be helpful in those groups too. So I certainly think that getting good support mentally and physically is important when you do have chronic Lyme-type symptoms. In just the last minute, give us your best advice, what you would tell people that ask you about Lyme disease and what you really want them to know. Sure. So my big take-home points, of course, are prevention is key. Knowing how to prevent a tick bite is is optimal. Lyme disease can include many symptoms, and it's called the great imitator. So make sure that you do talk to your healthcare provider if you do have a concern. Again, the more detail, the better. Diagnosis is not done by any one single test, and there are many factors to consider when we diagnose Lyme disease. It is not a perfect science yet, and there's still a lot to learn about Lyme. Early treatment leads to the best outcomes. And of course, you can certainly learn more at um, good places like the CDC um, and the Lyme Disease Association, which are all generally found online. Thank you so much. What great information. You're listening to Stoughton Hospital Health Talk. And for more information, you can go to stoughtonhospital.com. That's stoughtonhospital.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.